Welcome to the Everesting Podcast, built by Corey. In this episode, we have Jono Egan on the show. Jono is an Everesting record holder, not for speed, but for Everestings, period. He's done 137 Everestings in the time that we recorded this podcast in early February of 2020. 137 Everestings in the Everesting Hall of Fame. That's more than two-thirds ahead of anybody else who has done an Everesting or multiple Everestings. So that is such a crazy number. He's not a professional cyclist. He's a full-time doctor and does this as a stress reliever to keep fit. Um, He has averaged almost two Everestings per month for over six years. Like, just think about that number. That's absolutely unbelievable. John is an incredible inspiration. It was a huge honor to have him on. Um, This episode is a little bit bittersweet though, because I just found out yesterday that about a week after recording this, he, he just recently had a crash during an Everesting attempt. He was about one third of the way through, he told me, and broke his femur, which is a really, really tough injury. So that sucks. Jono, we're thinking about you. Uh, crew, please reach out to Jono on social media. Send him some love. Wish him well. Um, it does sound like he's on the mend and out of surgery and out of the worst of it. Uh, but that's a that's a long and tough recovery. He's obviously well capable of doing so. Uh, but please reach out. Wish him well. Let's make this our most listened to episode and send him some healing vibes. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the State Bicycle Company. You can visit them at statebicycle.com. If you get there fast, you can probably still grab one of their AXS ETAP drivetrain all-road bikes. Check them out at statebicycle.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening. On to Jono Egan. Don't forget to reach out to Jono. Send him some love. I got, uh, when I first got sucked into the world of Everesting and the whole community, I, I saw your name come up several times in conversations, like people making references right. to you. And then, and then I, then I looked you up in the hall of fame. So this is like months ago. And I was just yeah. like, I'm, I'm rarely at a loss for words, but I was just completely speechless at, at what you've done. <laughs> so let me, I, 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 in my opinion, you don't need much introduction, but when did you do your first Everesting? And like, and, and around what time did you sort of become aware of the challenge itself? I'm always interested to know when people kind of found it. And, and, and uh, also you'd obviously been cycling way prior to that too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think it was around 2014. I, I did a, a couple of, I did some long rides, um, which uh, retrospectively were, were in were Everest, Everest worthy. Um, and then um, somebody on sort of the back of those long rides, somebody sent me a, a local newspaper article about someone, um, Sarah Hammond, who'd Everested a, a lovely climb in Victoria, Mount Buffalo. And um, and um, so, yes, yeah, soon after that, I did um, did, a, did a local climb um, from, from one of the rivers. Um, it's about a 200-metre elevation climb. Um, so that was my first sort of um, intentional Everest, I guess. And... Um, yeah, it was a very interesting experience, sort of um, a whole day on the bike in a, in a nice part of the world. But yeah, just meeting the same people, you know, they've gone to work and then come home and, and you're still riding the bike, that sort of experience, which I'm, I'm sure you came across when, you, when, when you've ever stood. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's an odd thing to do, but it's yeah, very satisfying. It, it, yeah, it is oddly satisfying. It's almost mm. difficult to articulate exactly why. So yeah. I did some rough math because I thought that was around your start time. That means that you've done 
an Everest thing almost every two weeks for six and a half years. Yeah, I think, I think, I think the first, the first, I, I never thought I'd do a second one after the first one. And then, <laughs> and then, um, and then a couple of weeks later, I thought, ah, oh. and I think Andy had a, um, yeah, a couple of things to sort of encourage people to do them. And that sort of uh, got me on the hook. But um, yeah, I think I was doing them sort of once every month or so. And then with COVID the last couple of years and the inability to do a, a particularly long distance ride over geography, um, Everesting has become a great way to get a condensed um, uh, a long ride in a short short area in a short time. So, um, yeah, I think the last couple of years have gone particularly crazy in terms of my Everesting frequency. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. I think you've done somewhere around three times as many Everestings as anybody, which is, again, just mind-blowing. Like, this is the type of challenge that people can, you can sort of build your entire year around this type yeah. of challenge so i mean i like again <laughs> it's hard to even <laughs> fathom where to begin but how has the challenge changed for you when you look back on say your first five or ten versus now like how much more dialed are you in terms of equipment um hill choices uh bike gearing recovery like have you have you really found that you've really honed those secrets in or is everyone still kind of different yeah, I think every, everyone's still a challenge. Um, they they get a tiny bit easier, but um, I think yeah, probably probably the recovery has has become a bit more bit more dialed. And um, yeah, certainly um, knowing knowing the hills and um, the weather and um, animals and traffic and that sort of things helped. Um, so take some of the unknowns out of it um so that's helped a lot um but uh yeah it's still that the last last third of the ride is still always um, um a physical and, and mental challenge um and it and it just depends on the day and it depends on how much sleep you've had and whether you can keep eating and that sort of thing um and um but yeah, I think what changed the last couple of years was I was just able to recover a bit quicker. And so that's why I could do them a bit more frequently. And um, and so that's, that was interesting to see. Um, and um, I changed my diet a little bit and became plant-based about three or four years ago. And that, that seemed you know, to coincide with being a little bit, bit fresher, a bit fresher, quicker. Um, and, I've definitely that, heard of a lot of anecdotal evidence of yeah increased recovery on a plant-based diet right? that, that was my experience and and just paying a bit more attention uh, as i'm getting older to stretching and swimming and the things that take a little bit of time really seem to make a difference um you know things that you don't really notice for another six weeks just you know doing a bit more regular stretching and foam roller and that sort of thing um that that all helps um so I guess yeah, just just spending the time doing that rather than saying, oh no, I won't, I won't, I won't spend the five minutes stretching that sort of stuff. It's sort of yeah, that that's that's helped, I think. Yeah. So, from a recovery standpoint, 
because you've done all kinds of hills and i mean for most people i can look up their one or two everesting attempts and then we can talk specifically about a hill and gear choice and stuff you have so many that i i really can't do that kind of research project but like do you find the recovery from uh shorter effort time wise to be easier or from a shorter gradient shallower gradient yeah i think i think the shorter time on the bike with the steeper hill um is is a, is a quicker recovery i think generally um yeah spending spending 20 24 hours on a, on a hill that takes a longer time longer time to get over than if it's more sort of under 15 closer to 10 hours um and what's and, the steepest and least steep hills that you've done like what's your shortest distance that ever seen oh, the longest oh the longest is yeah like for 450 460 kilometers um and and that the reason i did that one is it's kind of sort of a an, an iconic local climb but the first kilometer you gain about one meter so it's um it's not a sensible sensible climb and i'm i'm pretty happy that nobody has has done that because it's not it's not a sensible hill to do that one but i think the um um the steepest one's probably probably Florence Avenue. That's um, it's about a hundred and hundred and sixty hundred and sixty kilometers um, horizontal. I haven't done anything um, ridiculously steep like um, like like many people have, um, but um, yeah. So so that's around eleven percent Florence Avenue. Um, and um, so yeah, sort of all all in between those distances. Um, yeah, somewhere in, sorry, I thought I think around sort of 300, 300 kilometers is is a nice sort of gentle sort of not gentle but um, manageable <laughs> sort of seven seven percent. Um, um, that's sort of a nice sort of slope to to spend a day on. Um, yeah, amazing. Um, okay, so out of the hundred and thirty seven Everestings, how many unique hills are in there oh i'm not sure pete um i think um yeah i'd have to have to get back to you on that i'd say i think i, I think i've done done florence 45 times and i've done um some wonderful climbs in adelaide that i've done about 10 times um so oh, what would that be Maybe around fifty hills, forty or fifty hills. Uh, wow! Mm. And have have you done any outside of Australia? No, no. That was uh, it was a it was a bit of a thought bubble for a moment, but um, in in a couple of places, I, I was pretty keen to do Vontu one day, but it was pretty optimistic, and the and the and there was thunder and lightning, and it didn't take too much to talk myself out of doing that, and and just. Just having the the infrastructure and the support resources um, overseas, I, I didn't quite have that um, sorted. Um, but um, yeah, that 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 would be nice to do one day. That would be nice. But um, yeah. Okay. Wow, that's just absolutely unbelievable. So I mean, the obvious question is, what what continues to to keep you going? And I should also mention that I I know that this is not the only ultra endurance cycling that you do you do other other riding as well yeah. some really incredible rides also but yeah. so i understand why you continue to do ultra endurance stuff because that once that bites that's really hard to let go of yeah but yeah. what ha- what has kept you coming back specifically to everesting 
so many times. Yeah, I guess it's just um, exploring the limits, and there's always there's always um, you know a fair chance that you're not going to be able to make it from a physical or a mental perspective. Um, you have mechanicals, things like that. Things change. Um, Weather-wise, there's so well, many things. There's a lot of variables, and um, I guess it's just a it's a very satisfying. Um, Thing to try and attempt to do from a, a physical and, and mental perspective, um, and yeah, I guess I just I guess in, I enjoy that challenge, um, and it's and it's a fairly well sort of encapsulated, packaged um, activity if you can find the time and space in 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 your schedule and sort of um, pencil it in, and then just sort of try and make it happen. Then um, yeah, I guess that's sort of what's what's kept me coming back to it. I'm fairly time poor, so it's it's a good way to sort of encapsulate a um, yeah a satisfying, rewarding, um, challenging uh, event throughout throughout the the weeks and months ahead. Without a lot of travel that's required of it, or to yeah. getting to certain start lines and things like that. Yeah. It's the fact that it's such a um, a do-it-yourself adventure. Is, yeah. I mean, is what creates a lot of the mass appeal to it for yeah. sure yeah no that's right it's just a it's it's just a matter of um yeah having having that that idea and then and then following it through to um do, doing what's necessary to 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 achieve that yeah and and certainly um worth exploring in terms of doing some repeats on a hill that you're comfortable with and then extending that to to a base camp and so forth depending on on the level of comfort so yeah i think it's i think it's eminently doable with with preparation and planning so when you go to set about doing an everesting and you look at your calendar how many hours do you schedule for an everesting and a recovery are you like 36 to 48 hours is kind of what you think you need to do the whole thing yeah. and, and be able to make sense after that yeah yeah that that would be right yeah you don't want to be don't me do, don't want to be doing anything particularly important the next day um so yeah it's good it's good to have sort of um yeah two two days at least a day and a half yeah yeah Menial particularly tasks, travel. maybe walk the dog yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the it's dog gets a few walks and yeah how many i had some some of my neighbors couldn't believe that i was be able to walk the next day like, that's a testament to cycling it's <laughs> that's not, right that's right yeah, that's exactly not, right yeah. same thing yeah. how, so how many have you started do you, do you know what your success rate is i mean it can't be 100 percent. please tell me it's not no, i feel really no, bad about myself no, no. um so yeah I stopped one because it was um the top half was it on was on grass and it got really slippery um and so I stopped that. I think I did about 6,000 metres. And then um, I did another one that I just kept falling asleep again around 6,000 metres. Um, just hadn't slept well beforehand um, and was getting a bit spooked by the traffic. So I stopped that. Um, another one I got really cold, just had to pull a pin with, with temperatures changing and not having the right gear. Um, but... Um, yeah, I usually give them a fair odd crack, but um, yeah, always yeah. If it's not safe to continue, or it's just yeah, there's always it's all about. I think as Andy said on the 
one of the early iterations of the website. It's all about getting down the mountain. And um, yeah, so safety certainly comes comes first as far as I can um, optimize that. So um, yeah, yeah, Andy's right. Like it's it's exactly like real mountaineering that way. It yeah. only counts if you make it home safe, right? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So from an equipment perspective, do you have several bikes that you Everest on? Like, or do you have one that's maybe better for descending or, or actually you've been Everesting long enough. You may have had several bikes that you've Everested on. In this yeah, worked through a few bikes, generally, generally road bikes. Um, so a Cervelo R5 and a, and a giant TCR was sort of swapped between those two. Um, and then I've got a, a, a giant TCX, which is like a gravel cyc cyclocross bike that I've used um, off-road um, for, for the couple that I've done on, on gravel and, um, and grass. Um, haven't done a mountain bike one yet. Um, but, you know, they've been good solid bikes. Still have rim brakes on the non-gravel bikes, um, which, yeah, take, takes longer to stop in the wet, but you do stop. It's just a matter of pressing the brakes early. Um, so, you know, they've been, they've been good bikes over the years. And, um, I mean, the, the, one of the, one of the benefits of Everesting is from sort of a base camp type setup is you can have, you know, spare wheels and, and gear and equipment, um, in the car. Um, so that all helps. Um, but you haven't had too many mechanicals and occasional flat, but, um, no sort of ride ending mechanicals so far, which has been been fortunate. So, yeah. Amazing. And how many, how, do you do any specific training for Everesting? Like, do you do any specific intervals that are long, low RPM, high wattage intervals? Or is, or do you just essentially Everest and ride enough that it sort of just becomes Everest training? Yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm always keen to learn and do things differently um, and starting to do a bit more cross training at the moment. But yeah, I think, I think generally I would just be, be Everesting and particularly doing them fairly frequently. One Everest just feeds the next. Um, like it's, it's such a, um, a solid, you know, sort of week, two weeks worth of training condensed into one ride that, you know, if you can recover pretty well and then, do some more rides and then do another another Everest in a, in a week, 10 days, two weeks after that, they sort of feed themselves um, in terms of fitness and, and strength. Um, but um, yeah, I think they knock the body around a little bit. And so it's just in terms of um, other things to, to balance them out, like walking and swimming and, and running and rowing and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, certainly um, with age, I'm, I'm finding I need to do um, some more stretching and a little bit of strength work and that sort of thing, just to to balance things out. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I guess hill repeats are probably the main thing I do. It's just riding up and down hills and yeah. Mm. So when you have shorter times, you spend a lot of your rides doing exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Which is interval training. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, don't spend too much time on the trainer, but yeah, train trainers are great, efficient way to ride, and probably should should spend more time on the trainer. But yeah, I guess if I can go outside, I tend to prefer to go outside. Yeah, I think it's better for our head. The trainer is an amazing training tool. Um, yeah, but absolutely. Yeah. And I've been spending a lot of time on mine recently. Yeah, so I can imagine. Looking yeah. looking forward to getting outside. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. So I have one last question about motivation. You have a pretty high pressure job. Yep. Do you think that that's related to the desire to be able to get so, so far into something that it's kind of all you can think about? Because that, that, that last third of an Everest thing is, it's pretty all consuming. And yeah. do you feel like that, that helps that switch and it's, it's sort of a valve for that? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I think, I think endurance sport is, is great um, in terms of, um, yeah, just balancing the, the uh, stresses and strains of, of work and life. And um, and everything's great like that in terms of um, having a um, you know I guess a goal or a target activity um, that you can work towards and um, and then potentially um, potentially achieve and get that done and um, but yeah certainly certainly they're fairly all consuming and you um, you can switch off quite quite well um, need to stay pretty alert particularly on the on the descents as you know um and um yeah but it's it's a it's a it's a great way to um to sort of unwind and, and yeah keep things pretty balanced yeah the whole thing is so it just requires a lot of um presence yeah absolutely mind right the the absence the the ascents do because you can't go yep. too hard you yep. can't go too fast on the descents even and even yep. when you get to your base camp there's still Water bottles is my. Should yep. I charge my phone for ten minutes while I'm here? Like you, there's a lot of of mental awareness yep. that needs to occur, and there's yep. not a lot of room for other noise. That's what I found, and that's what yep. I'm looking forward to doing again. Yep. So, what does 2022 hold for you? How many? When's your next Everest thing? Uh, see how things go. I'm I'm not sure. Um, I'm probably sort of every couple of weeks trying to trying to do one potentially. Doing it in about ten days. Um, try and get down towards um, the um, go from Marimbula to Mount Kosciuszko. That's sort of a long um, four four sixty um, k ride. That's that's an Everest. Um, and um, that's a Rome. Yeah, it's it's. We talked about it with Andy um, five or six years ago, and because it's it's up and back over the same road, I think it might have been pre Rome. But because it's up and back over the same road, um, you you two two thirty two up one road and then you come back the same road. Um, okay. He accepted it as an Everest, but it's it's sort of it's Rome type numbers, like it's yeah ten thousand vertical and um, over four hundred, and take that takes twenty twenty two hours or so. But it's just such a, a magic part of the country in Australia. Um, sort of go from from beaches to fields to mountains and yeah it's wonderful it's pretty quiet um so if i can get down there that would be lovely but um yeah it's it's, it's nice to have opportunity to make plans like that and just sort of fairly flexible in terms of what's happening work-wise family-wise and and otherwise and it's yeah i thought i thought 2021 was going to be a little bit more uh sensible than it was in terms of COVID and everything so it's pretty hard to know what's going on so we'll just sort of see yeah. how things go but yeah it's good to have a few a few uh, options few plans i guess and see how things space out so yeah so hopefully in a couple of weeks another everest yeah it the, just the numbers are absolutely incredible like i'm super super inspired and looking forward to going and get my my second entry 
Yeah, that'd so, be wonderful, Pete. That's great. And is that are you looking thanks. at doing a Rome, something longer, or? I am. Yeah, yeah. probably a Rome. I, I think yep. that's what I want to try and do next, only because yep. it's different. I think. Um, yep. Definitely, there'll definitely be another traditional Everest thing though, too, yep. because that brings in the beauty of the hill selection and that sort of thing. Yep. And and I was yep. when I was originally deciding, I was sort of down to a few local hills. Yep. Um, so I might attempt to do the one that I didn't do. Uh, which yeah. would be which would be over 100 kilometers shorter than my first uh, one okay. so in my yeah. mind i'm like i'm already saving five or six hours yeah. so it already sounds yeah. i don't want to say easier that feels like a dangerous word to use but yeah. it sounds more manageable less challenging at least yeah in terms yeah. of the dark riding and and all yeah. of that kind of stuff so but i yeah. think the road we don't we don't pave roads steep enough around me to yeah. ever link anything together to do one huge loop, which would be the, yep. I think that would be the most romantic way to do a Rome. Is yeah, to do yeah, a giant yeah. loop where you don't repeat yeah. yourself, but I, I just can't do it without traveling here. So what I'll probably do is I'll try and find like the eight or 10 best hills near me and do yep. the, I'll essentially divide it equally in terms of meters. So one hill yep. might need 15 ascents, one might need 17, one might need eight, but I'll oh, nice. divide nice. it evenly nice. amongst the number of meters and then I'll do all the routing yep. in between them. Yep. Um, is sort of how I'm thinking. I'll go out and get uh, get like seven or eight local legends uh, in one day. That'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> That'll be the plan. Have a, have John, a nice thank you for doing and... this. Is it? Yeah, exactly. If I can just mm. for what we for what we get here, and I'll probably try yep. and do it in the spring uh, for daylight hours. It's just yep. so much nicer to not have yep. to deal with that. If I gain, you know, if I have four more day hours of daylight, that's a huge psychological yeah. difference. Yeah, it's so much easier riding in the daytime. Yeah, definitely. So we can, mm. well, and the Rome. If yep. things go well, I could hopefully even sleep for four yeah. hours or something like that. Which yeah, is that, a huge that's win. wonderful. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Although mm. it's, I think it's probably hard to get revved back up. But I'll It'd be right. I'll, I'll hopefully have yeah. them to compare, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. John, Thank you for doing this. It's an absolute no, no honor to, to chat with you. I really, really, really appreciate the time. And um, no, no, thank you. I think everybody's going to really look for, look forward to hearing from you. And we'll do it again for sure. Because I know there's going to be lots more stories produced over the next little while. <laughs> Anytime. Thanks so much, Pete. Take care. Another huge thank you to Jono for spending some time with me and getting this one recorded. I promise Jono, everybody else too, we're going to have you back on as soon as we can. We want to hear about your recovery as it's going on. Um, as soon as you're able, uh, please, again, everybody reach out, send him some love, send him some healing vibes. Uh, I'm sure he'd love to uh, hear from people uh, and anybody who's maybe come back from the same injury. It's not an uncommon thing in cycling, unfortunately. So, Jono, thank you for spending time with me. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it if you're able to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you find it, or if you leave us a positive rating or review. If you can take a couple minutes to rate a quick review, that actually helps other people find the podcast, so please do so if you're able. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back soon.